welcome to the Law Firm Culture 2.0 show, where your questions help the legal community build progressive, productive, and profitable workplace cultures that work for everyone by leveraging the power of authentic relationships. Hey, I'm your host, Camila Exum, former attorney and relationship ICU patient, currently principal consultant and executive coach at Exum Consulting, where I'm a relationship jogger training for the triathlon. Greetings, fine folk. Welcome back to the show. We are at episode nine. Woohoo! All right, you gotta tell me if you're using any of the concepts we've discussed so far and how's it going? Are you meeting with any resistance? External resistance, like maybe a colleague or, or more like internal resistance, like challenges with confidence. You know that when you start acting more like your authentic self, people are definitely going to notice, and it's not always comfortable. So drop me a line. Let me know how you're doing. Today's question comes to us from Wally. He asks, how can I get my assistant to participate in meetings? Dave has been working for me for about a year. When we meet one-on-one, he's full of great ideas, but when we have meetings with anyone else, he never says anything. I like to think we're very inclusive here and value the input of all staff, not just attorneys. Other support staff speak up all the time, but Dave remains silent. I've asked him about it, and he says he doesn't have anything to share, but I know that can't be the case because he's so engaged in our one-on-ones. How can I get him to participate in meetings? Hey, Wally, thanks for your question. Seems like something is going on with Dave that he's having a hard time talking about. How do we find out what's up and can we fix it? All right, everybody. It's that time again. I'm taking a deep breath over here. This is another one where I know you're going to want to come after me with pitchforks and torches and various blunt objects, but I implore you, stick with me. This will help you. Today's tool is acceptance. Now, we've talked about acceptance a bit on the show before, but not really directly. So whenever we remind ourselves to focus on process instead of outcome, we're letting go of control to some extent, right? We're saying, okay, I can control what I do, what my process is, but I can't control the outcome. I can't make someone do or be something, and I can't make an event happen or not happen. Great. All of that is great in theory, but is it really possible to be hunky-dory with letting go of control, especially when things go haywire? Am I on something? No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Life happens on its own terms. Opening day gets rained out. Is that what you guys call it for baseball, opening day? Okay, street racers zoom by and wake up the baby. Someone hits your car in a parking lot. These things just are, and there's nothing you can do about them. Wouldn't you feel more peaceful if you could accept those things without letting them ruin your day or have you fantasize about committing a felony? To accept doesn't mean to condone. It simply means to let every situation be exactly what it is, not what you decided it should be. When you've worked through the first of your frustration, you can quash a state of chronic frustration by reminding yourself that you cannot force what is to be different than it is. 
With this in mind, let's coach. Wally, what makes it important to you that Dave participates in meetings? What's the consequence of him not doing so for you? All right. Easy first questions. With these questions, I'm checking in whether Wally wants Dave to participate for authentic reasons or ego-driven reasons. So if Wally wants Dave to participate because he thinks Dave's thoughts would be useful to others' work, that might be an authentic rationale. If he wants Dave to participate so everyone can see how smart his assistant is, well, that might be a rationale that's driven by Wally's ego. Similarly ego-driven would be the notion that all engaged employees speak up in meetings. Making decisions from ego is the same as making decisions from fear. Now, any rationale can be based in expansiveness or based in fear. So in the next set of questions, I'm going to do some more probing to ensure that Wally's answer doesn't just sound good, but it's truly what his authentic self actually wants. Okay, so now for the next set of questions, let's go ahead and assume that Wally wants Dave to participate because his doing so will help others. I'm going to check whether this is a fear-based response. Wally, check in with the unique, open-hearted one in you who isn't concerned about how others might judge you, your authentic self. What information do you want from Dave? What do you want to communicate to him? What makes it so important that you receive and share this information? So this is confirmation of what the authentic self wants to do in this situation. And it's important that Wally really understands his motivations, not just about what he wants, but why. We asked the why question in the last set of questions, but I'm asking again because it's it's useful to do so now that we're pretty sure that we have Wally's authentic response. Wally, how comfortable are you with asking Dave for the information you seek and sharing the information you want him to know? So if Wally feels comfortable approaching Dave for this conversation, then we're done here. We can just move on to our next set of questions. But if there's any trepidation around asking Dave to share what might be personal information, then we'd move into our fear analysis. So we would ask something like, Wally, what makes you uncomfortable about the thought of broaching this topic with Dave? What's the worst thing that could happen? How might you prepare yourself for and take care of yourself after should the worst case scenario occur? What's the best thing that could happen? All right, you're familiar with this. This is our our regular fear analysis, but I want to draw your attention to something here. Notice I didn't ask how Wally might prepare Dave and take care of Dave afterwards. Wally's responsibility is to approach Dave in a respectful manner. That's his process. Whatever Dave does with that is the outcome, and that's not Wally's responsibility. Now, we talked about empathy in our last show. It'd be kind, of course, to offer some reassurance should Dave have a negative reaction to the questions, but Wally doesn't need to coddle him. Make sense? Wally, how might you approach Dave around this exchange of information? How might you encourage his candor and willingness to share? What setting might you use? Who else might you involve? 
Would you schedule a meeting or just drop by his desk? Or do you need to do a Zoom meeting? Something else? What are the environmental conditions that might be conducive to the conversation? What might feel like a reasonable approach to him? What are some other factors you might consider? All right, so this is a lot, I know, but we're really wanting to plan here how to have the conversation in a way that works well for Wally and for Dave. What does Wally do if Dave just needs some reassurance or he's willing to participate more, but he'd like to start small? How might that be negotiated? And are there any thorny issues in the relationship or sensitivities we need to be aware of? If so, what are we going to do about them? So, you know, this is a a packed uh, section of questions here, but we're really trying to get Wally thinking about the very best way to broach this conversation. Wally, how might you prepare yourself for Dave's potential refusal to provide the information you seek or Dave's potential continuation of uh, not speaking up in meetings? How willing are you to practice acceptance should this potential outcome come to fruition? If you're feeling willing, how might you practice acceptance? What would you commit to practicing? What would it look like? What tools can you use to reframe your mindset around the outcome? So Wally can always answer that he could compel Dave to participate in meetings. And of course, that's his prerogative. He's the partner. He's the boss. But Assuming that isn't his intention, I'm sort of making up over here that Dave's continued silence would be at least slightly frustrating to Wally seeing as he's asked us this question. So I want to talk through the steps he can take and the tools he can use to quell any ongoing frustration that results from an outcome he didn't want. And we're doing a bit more accountability than usual here because acceptance is one of the toughest exercises we do in our triathlon training. Shout out to Wally for the question today. Wally isn't his real name, of course. You might remember that I make up all the names and rewrite the questions to make sure anonymity rules the day, right? And also because it's super fun for me. So that's just a reminder, everybody, that you can get your question answered and you don't have to worry one bit about anyone knowing it's you. Send your questions to info at eximconsulting.com. That's info at E-X-U-M as in Mary, consulting.com. We also love talking trust-building strategy and relationship skills coaching. So if you'd like to huddle with us on those topics, we'd love to see you in our inbox as well. My hope would be that Wally's kindness and openness during the conversation will help Dave feel comfortable enough to talk about why he's uncomfortable speaking in front of a larger audience. But We don't know what he's going through or to what extent he's willing to push his comfort zone, so we need to be prepared for a yes or a no. Of course, as we said before, Wally can direct Dave to speak up at any time. He's the boss. But what would a relationship triathlete do? 
scream, do it because I said so, or say, I care about what's making you uncomfortable and I want to support you in working it out step by step. I don't know about you, but I'm much happier with workplace culture in a place where the second option is the norm. Also, remember our first set of questions? Is it really that important that Dave speak up in meetings? A wise woman recently said, the people who speak up in meetings are called extroverts. <laughs> Word, agreed. Listen, everybody, I know that acceptance is not easy, especially when you first start to practice it. It's still often hard for me, and I've been at it a long time. As with anything else, Practice makes perfect. Find a mantra or an affirmation that works for you to help you when you find yourself ruminating over something over which you have no control. Because I know you do that, because we all do. <laughs> it really helps me to first remind myself that whatever it is, it's for me, right? It's for my development into the most evolved version of myself. After all, growth comes from tribulation. And two, it helps me to accept outcomes as if I had chosen them. Now that's a resistance buster if ever there were one. If one or both of those strategies work for you, go for them. Start integrating them into your lives today. But if you do better with something different, ask the internet for suggestions. It's very, very wise. Today, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Eckhart Tolle. When you live in complete acceptance of what is, that is the end of all the drama in your life. Yes. Really think about that, folks. That's a game changer. Thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, 